You're listening to iFanboy's Booksplode, Asterios Polyp. iFanboy's exploration of a, of a single volume, a single work of comic book wonder. That might be might be landing on a little thick. I am Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Ron Richards. Hello. Paul Montgomery. Hey, gang. And I think that somewhere back there is Connor Kilpatrick. I am here, still. Uh, we're, we're, it's, a packed, it's a packed studio tonight, isn't it? Always lurking in the shadows. Always. always. He's not kidding about that. Always. Um, we're here this week to talk about Asterios Polyp uh, by David Magikelli. This book was our iFanboy Book of the Month for September. And normally what we do is we'll do a little segment. We'll do, you know, 8, 10, 12 minutes on the regular Pick of the Week uh, podcast and talk about the book. But we all wanted to talk about it uh, probably a little longer than that, a little more in-depth. So we thought we'd do this. Uh, a little special this time. Give it a little extra time. And um, so here we are. Uh, everybody here has read it, I assume. That would make sense. <laughs> no, what? Um, <laughs> I pretended to. I nodded my head when you talked about it. it well, it's funny is that, is that for me, when, when it's time to pick the book of the month, that's, I mean, that's the time to go running. It's like, oh. This is a huge, like and, and right after you pick it, like there's 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 no pressure for like two months. It's fantastic. Um, but it wasn't very hard this time out. Uh, in July, as we know, July was the greatest month of comics in Lord ever. How long? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know we we had last month it was the Hunter by Darwin Cook and 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 the Embarrassment of Riches is uh, is the Mazzucchelli book that came out at about the same time. Um, for me personally, it's funny because Dave Mazzucchelli, I really only know. From Batman Year One, that's that's basically all that I've ever read that he's done. But I've known for years that he's a genius, and he's, as I understood, it, somewhat uh, uh, reclusive about the whole thing, and and wasn't doing regular comics anymore. And 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 uh, that's about all I knew. And then all of a sudden, one day on Twitter, I start hearing these two words: "Asterius Polyp, Asterius Polyp," and I had no idea what it was. And then I realized it was this this book that sort of came from out of nowhere that everyone was going nuts over. Um, and it was kind of fun because I had no preconceived notions. I had no idea what it was going to be like. And, and so going in that way was really neat. But there, apparently there's more to it than that, I guess. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, no, well the, I think the – is the, the – what why this was such a big deal was the fact that Dave Mazzuchelli, he you know made such a big name for himself in the 80s on Batman Year One. And then um, and then he did some other – you know he uh, before that on Daredevil. And he did some other superhero book here and there. He actually did an issue of X Factor with Louise Simonson. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, exactly. But then in the, in, you know, in the late, uh, in the late eighties, early nineties, he kind of walked away from mainstream and superhero comics and started doing more alternative stuff. He did his own, um, his own kind of anthology called rubber blanket, which there was, there was only three issues of, um, which is like in the whole underground indie com- comic scene is kind of heralded as this great work. Um, and then he also did in 94, he did an adaptation of city of glass, uh, Paul Auster's, uh, book. And then after that, nothing. Like nothing, and he then went on to he in during that time period he taught at Rhode Island School of Design, which is where he got his degree from, uh, as well as SVA in the, in New York City. Um, and what I heard, I remember like in the late '90s, going, "Yeah, whatever happened to that Massachelli guy?" And being told like, "Oh, he's he said he'd never do another comic. He's never going to do another comic again." 
And then um, as the 2000s went, you know, every now and then I heard, a, you know, his name would come up and you'd hear, oh, he's teaching, but he'll never do comics. He walked away from comics. But then like in the last couple of years, started hearing, it's like, well, he's working on something and, and you know, there's a book coming and but not enough that there was any sort of hype or anything. And it was the same thing. Like it was almost like he walked into a he, he like didn't go out for 10 years and then he walked into a party, dropped a serious polyp on the table and walked out because he won't give interviews like he's not doing any press for it. And it's probably like in my opinion it's the greatest graphic novel of the decade um and it's just this wonderful work of genius that came literally out of nowhere from like you said from like a reclusive as close to a jd salinger that we'll get in comics although i guess that's steve ditko but um but but it's steve ditko is still making comics whereas mazzicelli just hasn't been he's been teaching so we've uh, learned that ron is not afraid of hyperbole no, not at all. <laughs> you're trying to get a quote. You're trying to get a quote, quote in the softback. Then is what I, what I, here. I don't think there will be quotes on the back of the softback. That's the type of book this is. It's amazing. So okay. Well, you know what's funny is that I was a little leery of the book because of everything. I guess all the stuff around. I thought I was like, this is. I was worried it was going to be a little obtuse, a little overly because it was like a weird. I didn't know what the title even meant, and I was pleasantly surprised to find like like a, a story. Uh, just a, a fairly straightforward story. Um, I was not- so I was so afraid of you reading this. By the way, I was so afraid because so many people were talking about it, and I was afraid that like all the hype around it was gonna. You know how sometimes that works in the opposite way. Yeah, definitely. Where, like, yeah, and so I was I was very you know I was and knowing that that you that you know because I wanted this to be the book of the month for our fanboy because it's so so good in the hyperbole again. But um, I'm glad that the the story kind of rose through and you saw through the hype. Yeah. I mean, for me, um, I think one of the reasons I told I, I I chose it didn't have like the story was good. It was, actually, the story was fairly straightforward. But I think the thing for me that stood out the most about this book is that the whole time I'm reading it, I was thinking about why things were being done technically. Why you know because there's different styles and all sorts of things being employed on the on the pages. And as at the end of it, I found myself thinking about it and wondering you know, what was happening and not in a bad way. Like I was confused about it, but it made me really think about graphic novels and comics and techniques and things like that. And in, in a really, in a really productive way, in a really good way. Um, the, what did you guys, uh, Paul, what'd you, what'd you, yeah, you know, um, on that same vein, you know, like, you know, you refer to books sometimes as, as clinics on, on comic book, you know, writing or, or drawing or whatever. Um, this is sort of, it's, it's beyond that. It's, it's, like it's, it's a not even just class. Yeah, it's not even just how to write a good comic. It's it's suggestions on every possible thing you can do with the medium, um, and I don't you know I don't think Ron's being that hyperbolic by saying that it's you know the best you know graphic novel of, of the decade because it, this is really a quintessential graphic novel. That's when I when I closed the book. That's what I thought about it is, you know, when sometimes when you talk about a comic, it could be we say it's like that's a really cinematic sequence in that book. Um, this is. Total, like there are things in here that you can only do in a comic book. It's, it's almost the, the thing opposite that, of cinematic. Yeah, it's the thing that immediately struck me with this is, I mean, you could try to do some of this with with animation, and I thought about like you know Chuck Jones or something like that. There's some sequences where the backgrounds kind of reminded me of that, um, where it gets a little uh, sort of like pop arty, um, but. Um, it's there's really I mean there's the stuff with like the word balloons and everything and we'll get into all yes. the mechanics of it but um I was just just really impressed and and you know one of the things we maybe we could talk about is you, you you know you were saying you were thinking about the whole time of of all the things he was doing in here and you were conscious of that um I mean is there a, a level to this where you're th- uh, sort of taking taken out of the narrative and you're thinking so much about the composition of the book the mechanics of it 
that it's it's a it's sort of a different reading experience. It's not so much about the plot or the narrative. It's about the execution of the book and and what decisions he's making. And I, I mean, that, I think that's what it was for me, but it didn't bother me so much. Well, I actually well, really enjoyed that. Yeah, and I think I, I think it's the combination of the two. It's the fact that the um, that that as I was reading this, I was just startled to see like those decisions he was making and his execution style, but in no detriment or, um, or in taking away from the story at all. In fact, it made the story that much stronger. And so it's one of those mm-hmm. rare situations where the two kind of got entwined in like a spiral and made the, made the experience that much better. Mm-hmm. For me at least. So, so, uh, Connor, have you had any of this Kool-Aid? <laughs> it's a tour de force in terms of art and design and and construction of comics. I think for story wise, it's pretty standard. I didn't wasn't really blown away by the story itself, but in terms of as a as a comic book and how it's put together and the art and and the thought to every bit of the design, it's an amazing achievement. But the, Otherwise, I wasn't really that blown away by it when I finished it. I was kind of underwhelmed by the story itself. Well, I think I think that's part of the. I mean, the story is very. I think the the story is a somewhat simple. In that, but um, but was also really relatable and really evocative, and you know, and we're, we'll talk. We're going to talk more in detail about specific things for the story, but like I keep saying, when I when I talk up the book to people, when I talk about it, there was literally a a seven or nine page sequence that I had to close the book and put it down and walk out of the room. Not only because it was executed so perfectly and amazingly, but because the emotions that came out from the story points were so strong, you know, and and it was just powerful on both on both sides of the coin. Yeah, I, I I can see that. I, it wasn't for me. For me, it didn't really hit me like that. It didn't. I mean, I didn't really get. I feel like we got actually, to know the people in the book very well. It was more about the specific short time in their lives and and how it was portrayed artistically. For as people, I don't. I couldn't tell you much about either one of them. Yeah. Well, let me let me let me just. We'll give a basically a short synopsis as best we can, I guess, about what it is, and then we're gonna spoiler warning. Yeah, we'll get more into that. Well, this this will be if you're if you're listening, you're like, oh, I don't know anything about this. I'll we'll sort of tell you what it is, and then after that, we are going to uh, get under the hood, as it were. Um, yeah. So basically, this is the story of of a of a man uh, named Asterios Polyp. That's what the that's what it means. He he's he's it's his name. He is. So it's in, not Red Tide. It it's a not, guy. Um, you were really hung up on the title <laughs> when you read it. You were you were like, oh, I'm glad it means something. Like I was never. It never was consideration no, no, for me. It, was, was it wasn't that. It was that like when I saw the words for the first time, people's I just read this. I didn't know it had no meaning for me. And plus, and plus, they're interesting-looking words. I mean, they're not words that you ever. I mean, like Asterios is obviously Greek, but I immediately thought of you know, like kind of stars or asteroid that sort of thing. But I don't know and if then, it's a real name or if it's a made-up name that sounds like it's Greek. Yeah, but then and polyp, everybody has you know, kind of the the. the I think that that triggers the same kind of thing as it's you know, you know, body, you know, phys, you know, physical kind of things, you know. Um, colonoscopy. Colonoscopy, exactly. Yeah. He is. Uh, yeah. He's an architect, or actually, he's a professor of architecture. He's very well renowned. Um, but the 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 thing about him is that while he's very respected in the world of architecture, he's designed many things. He's won awards. He's written books. He's never actually had anything built. So he's a man who exists solely in the realm of the, uh, the theoretical, for the most part. He's never actually done anything. Um, he's an intellectual. He's very much an intellectual, and to me, that the the part of the story that that really most resonated with me was this idea of intellectuals and what they're like. Um, and and basically, um, this this story takes place over two timelines. On the one, we're looking sort of in the past and and about the the beginning and the the whole arc of his relationship with a woman that he he marries. Her name is Hannah, and she's an artist. 
Um, and then at the same time, it's the it's the time after his relationship with her when he has sort of taken off on a on a soul searching road trip and ends up living um, with some weird people. Um, and that's I mean, is that that that's basically what it is? It's about right, yeah. Yeah, and then and then from there, it really becomes about getting to know these people and the techniques that he used therein. Um, and, and and so so that's basically the story. So I guess I guess we'll go from here. Um, so spoilers from here on out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, as I was saying, the thing the the thing that I I think I most appreciated about this I really from a story point was I really liked the portrayal of the character of Bollop himself because he's kind of a he's an asshole in a way he's he's very sure of himself. Um, but at the same time, he hasn't really ever accomplished anything, but he's very quick to scoff at other things and other people, and and he holds himself in a high esteem. And, and to be completely honest, as I was reading through it, I was like, he kind of reminds me of the worst parts of myself. And, <laughs> and, and no, and, and like that's it's like I was really like, oh, I'm I'm relating to parts of this, and I'm I, you know I'm not like like a high end intellectual or anything like that, but you know, it, it the, on my worst days, I can definitely see parts of this kind of personality, and and. It was it was very illuminating, and you see him uh, forming this relationship with this this girl Hannah, who's who's very sweet and very her heart's on her sleeve, and she's and, and they they have a hard time getting along, and they they care about each other, but they're, they're total opposites. Yes, then their natural ways of being with each other uh, don't don't mesh, and he ends up hurting her a lot without really meaning to. Um, and, and, he, and actually, that even happens vice versa a little bit because his ego is so great that when she doesn't placate it, he's hurt by it. So it it sort of works that way too. He's so he's so emotionally divested from from her. Mm-hmm. I mean, he loves her, but at the same time, he doesn't actually see her ever. Right. Until right. until she's gone. I mean, he doesn't really seem to notice her when she's around. And then and then is he monologuing about whatever whatever's happening around him? And then gets very jealous when she when she starts having her own kind of life and 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 other people giving her attention and not him. Yeah. yeah. So he's he's a very complex in terms of I mean he's 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 sort of the the apex intellectual where he he's so far in his own head he doesn't see what's going on around him until it's all too late. Right. And I think one of the things that really helps um, to make the character not so off-putting is that parallel narrative structure where we're seeing him later on, where he's sort of softened a little bit, or at least he's more, um, well, he's not dealing with as many people. So he's he's sort of out on his own and exploring and trying to figure out sort of what went wrong, really. He also oh. has no frame of reference for his former egotism. You know what I mean? True. Like he's not in his world at all, and these people have no reason to respect him or give a shit about what he thinks is so great about himself, so... He's out there on his own as his own thing. Well, and and it, and it also ties into the fact that that he very much, you know, like like you know, many people, you know, many people in this world, he's the type of person who sees the world in black or white, you know, and and there's a there's a lot of ex, exploration of that in in the book, and you know, his view, you know, whether it's black and white or my way or your way or the right way or the wrong way or you know or you know internal or external or factual or fictional to pull from the actual book, but there's very much this duality, no kind of gray area. And that's kind of um, you know mirrored by the fact that. And uh, can we get into story points now? Have we moved on to this? Or yeah, yeah. okay, he's actually a twin, and his brother died in the womb, so he's almost like half a person. Um, and it's just a Hellblazer ripoff, really. And there, there's a there's a story element where at times in his head he's kind of having conversations with his twin, who's named Ignacio. or Ig, some some one of those words, another weird name, um, and. 
you know, and part of that, th- those conversations with his, you know, not a lot, not existing twin is, um, really questioning his worldview and that's part of the journey that he takes in the story is is that questioning the way he's been and the way he looks on the world and part of that is going from the city that he lived in to the small town and the journey that he takes and the journey that eventually ends up him back in his ex-wife's you know arms um and so it's interesting to see how that you know that life journey and that you know worldview you know examining is both happening both in his head and externally and addressing the the whole kind of two ways of looking at the world my way or everyone else's way and realizing that really maybe he doesn't know everything. Mm. So that's the central theme of the book, I think, is if you had to, to narrow it down to one word, I think it's perception. Yep. And that goes for the narrative and for the artistic styles because one of the cool things they do, I don't know if we want to get into the art yet, but it's it's so central to the way the story is told that you kind of have to. But um, each of the characters, including Asterios and um, and Hana, are they each have their own artistic sensibility, and that's sometimes how they're portrayed, especially when they're arguing. Yeah. So you have Asterios with the super geometric designs, um, and then uh, Hana with more of a sketchy. Uh, you know, red like pencil. You know, She's emotion. She's emotion. So, You're emotional, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, you can you can talk about it in a lot of different ways. There's the the visual representation of how analytical Asterios is with with geometry and it's all order and discipline. And with Hana, it's it's about emotion. So it's all value and shading and stuff like that. So I mean, it's it, it's it's so interesting on on a whole bunch of different levels and and how it's represented. And I think even though the story is really simple. The the way it's told, it, it's it's central yep. to the way the narrative works, and part of the story you don't get unless you have the way that the characters are rendered in in geometric shapes. Or and it's not every page that it's like that. It it happens on certain certain sequences. So it's he's mixing it up the whole time. It's it's really really cool. And that, that's part of what makes this book so magical. Is and it goes back to what you said earlier, Paul. Is that this is this cannot be done in any other medium other than graphic novel, comic book, visual storytelling. Like the 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 words that are being spoken by the characters are as important as the way he's drawn them, the way he's rendered them, the way they they're angled, the way whatever device is being used in them. And it becomes that much more of a visceral experience where you're you're both reading the story and watching what happens, but also seeing and every, almost nearly every page and every panel is filled with some sort of subtext or representation or um well i mean the the most the most obvious example of that is is uh this is something i've never seen in anything it seems completely obvious to do but every single character has their own dialogue lettering style every single one asterios is all uh squared off or rectangular so the the balloons are all right at right angles and straight lines and is his the the font that they use for him and i'm sure this is all done by hand uh is sort of a straight up you know, font and and the I don't remember the wife's name, uh, the 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 woman that they stay with, um, the the oh right, the, oh yeah, the weird lady, lady. yeah, she's yeah. big bubbly, you know, uh, yep. voluptuous word balloons, you know, as as it were, uh, and you know. even his even his brother Ignazio has you know like that bigger font, it's much bigger and it's italics and yeah, it's like everybody, you know, you're right. I mean, everybody's represented represented by their lettering as much as the way they're drawn. You know, in Hanna's it looks like the it looks like handwriting. It's not you know, it's just it's just very casual and very very freeform. And so right away there on every page when anybody says anything, you immediately have some sort of clue. You may not be aware of it right away of what they speak like or what they're right. like, and that's neat. That's a really neat thing. Yeah. And also, and also w- w- within the like subtle things, as, as simple as the coloring, how the you know the book is a, is broken up into kind of segments or chapters, and there's one in the past, one in the present, one in the past, one in the present, and the and the 
past is done in this bluish, uh, purplish kind of tone, whereas the present is done in this yellow, yellowish kind of tone. Well, and so this – The purple is present the whole way through. There's no black in this book. Right. Um, there's like a dark purplish color used instead of black. But there's – right. There's, the mm-hmm. tones are blue for the past and then yellow – the present um, yellow for the present and which is which is such a such a simple device you know and but then is just so effective because in your head you know exactly when when he, when he is what's well, funny because there's all these things that seem to be really easy to to do uh in yep. a comic book to very easily indicate things um but if you only read regular sort of issues in mainstream comics like this they don't really have the freedom to use these tools for the most part yeah. Well, they, um, they have the freedom. They just don't do them. It's true, but but I mean, everybody they, has the freedom to use them. They do in a way, but like a house style would sort of indicate that you know, for the most part, they're trying to deliver a a, a product that's mostly consistent. Um, but they, I mean, they don't for the most part. This is the kind of place where these kind of things get done. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I I I, I agree that it, it gets kind of done in these more kind of alternative kind of comics, but I don't think it's because of a house style. I think it's it's partially because of the amount of thought I think being put into this is not possibly the amount of thought that's being put into X Force. Well, it's like like I, we talked the about Batman and Robin, how every comic could be that good if they really wanted it to be. Yeah, yeah. The amount of work and effort and thought and and stuff put into each issue, and clearly there's more thought being put into almost you could say into a page of this book than most 22 page, 24 page. You know, yep. DC Marvel yeah. comics. Yeah. What I would love to know is how long he worked on this. That's what I want to know. Is because it's it's not short. I mean, it's a thick book. Oh. Um, and like, and the other thing, the other thing that I love about it, and, and we need to, and we're kind of dancing around, and we need to get in some of the art stuff soon, shortly. But um, what I love about it is, is that it was, you know, it's marketed as his first graphic novel, which is totally true. This is his very first. Everything is done by him, and he did everything. You know, in terms of the drawing, the writing, the lettering, the the cover design, um, you know, every aspect of this book he created. Um, and even like it, it actually needs to be said, I guess, a little bit. Even holding the book in your hand, yep. and and touching it and feeling what it is, it's it's not like any book I own. Yep. Um, the well, it's unique. The, the dust jacket's only part of the cover. It's right. not even the whole book, which is also unique. It's like a half shirt. <laughs> yeah, makes um, me scared of damaging. And apparently, like, you know, it's interesting. It's it's the shape. The book itself is the shape of like a textbook. Yep. Like some you might be carrying around in grade school. So like you can learn from this book. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm actually getting uh, I, uh, the copy I bought is going to be my loan copy, and I'm going to buy a copy that's a, a archival copy. Mm-hmm. So because I've already loaned it out like three times, it's all ragged by now. But it's but well, it, the the, yeah. the cover itself is like a recycled stock, and the, there's no you know how they like they would wrap something around the sides to stop the cardboard from fraying. That's yeah. not yeah. there. It's just sort of raw cardboard. Yeah, um, it's really it's interesting in that way. Big, thick, heavy paper inside, um, and it's funny when you talk about the art as being very thoughtful, but it's not in any way overwrought. I suppose like it's it's fairly simple looking in its in its design and the page. Well, it's cartoon. It's very cartoony in in yeah. terms of the art, so the look. Yeah, I mean, it's by no means it's it, this is cartooning. You know. Well, sometimes I mean uh, he goes he runs the gamut of art styles. Yeah. Yes. Well, and, you know, there's 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 impressionism. There's all there's every yeah, kind of style except for realism in the right. Exactly. That's what I mean. There's no realism. Yeah. So. Well, some of the I mean, I guess you're right. I mean, in terms of the art style and the representation, it's it's it's, it's yeah. There's no photorealistic. We're not looking at Neil Adams kind of work here, you know. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, but but there's there's places where, you know, it sort of, it leans to more. You'll see places that have lots of cross hatching, and then you'll have pages that are done. There's a couple of sort of more ambiguous pages. Um, they're usually to end or start chapters. 
uh, and there'll be just a bunch of different styles on a given page. There's one that, you know, where he's talking about, I think he's dreaming basically and talking about what is the reality of, of the self and, and all this stuff. And like on air, just all these different sort of different ways to depict a, a person. And just on this one page is all these different little art styles from straight up illustrative to, um, you know, scratchy lines and then just like a Chinese character of one and just all these different things. And it's, it's really neat to see when it shows up. It's not overdone, which is very helpful, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Should we talk about Ron's favorite sequence? Yeah, I think we should. Well, before before we get to that, there there was one sequence that I'm trying to find that I want that I wanted to talk about that I can't find, and I hope I didn't make it up. And I'm pretty sure I, I found it. But um, how the use of art and 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 the um, the word balloon stuff like that. And so it's a um, it, it, a lot of uh, a, a large portion of his worldview of a serious polyps worldview being challenged or changed is in in context of his marriage to Hannah and and the breakdown of it and ultimately his realization that he you know wants to be with her again and all that sort of stuff. And there was one mem or at least from her point of view or a memory of him just saying the same thing over and over again but visually showing how the meaning was different as it was interpreted by her um and i wish i could find the page and i'm flipping through it and i can't find it but um you know i thought that was just that was just a great use of you know of a subtle nuance of conversation that you totally that that really you shouldn't be able to get in visual storytelling because it has to do with the tone and and and, you know interpretation but you totally get when it was done visually um but the uh, the 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 sequence that we're that that I was talking about that knocked me on my ass was um, so in, you know in the story like we said you know we 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 follow Asterius Polyp's life and we see when he meets his wife and they get married and then they you know he's teaching in Ithaca and she's an artist and he's got a place in New York City and she gets a opportunity for a job and and the, the you know the uh, design job with this kind of uh, very. Uh, I don't know how to describe him. Uh, very interesting uh, theater like character, um, and ultimately leads to the, de- the, the dissolution of their of their marriage. And you know, fast forward to the present, and he's you know kind of on this life journey, and he's you know taking a job you know as a car mechanic in some town in upstate New York, what I assume is upstate New York. Um, for some reason, I thought it was like uh, like uh, Poughkeepsie. That's what in my head. That's what it was. But anyway, um, and at one point, so he's living in a rented room of the of the mechanic that he's working for. He's, he's renting a room from him, and he's just sitting in his bedroom, and he um, realizes that he has a blister on his foot. And the what happens is that the the whole room changes. He's in the same position. But it's the coloring has changed, and he's in his position in his old bedroom with his wife, and he has he's saying he has a blister on his foot, and this has happened to him before. But in the present, he's alone, and in the past, he was with her, and this triggers a seven-page horizontal uh, journey through the subtlest and smallest of memories of his life with his wife. Um, you know, in terms, you know, as just little thing, you know, little things that she, you know, her, you know, shaving her armpits or, you know, or or blowing her nose or cutting her hair, um, is along one ver- the top vertical strip, um, and then the middle strip is um an interaction when she got a bit of a Q-tip stuck in her ear and how he helped her out and how you kind of you know realize you know how she was thankful that you know that he that she he was there to help her. 
and then the bottom strip is you know kind of a little more the um, the the rougher points in, of being together you know being sick or you know or the, the more emotional things as well um, you know kind of love of a cat and you know the, these sort of kind of little moments that we all have about the people we live with and it was just amazing at how this memory of having a blister on his foot triggered this waterfall of memories and this you know scrolling view across the pages just completely just knocked me on my ass mm-hmm. so it is my favorite sequence in the book too actually yeah because because it sneaks up on you you don't you don't expect it you know like and it was just done so subtly and quietly well it was you know it built too if you look yeah. at the way that it's built like you said you, it starts with it, it's him on a blank page in this one position sitting down looking at his foot i have a blister on my foot and the chapter's actually, like, the, the head of the chapter, it doesn't have any words. It's just, like, sort of an outline of a foot with an arrow pointing to a white dot on that foot. So yeah. you, sh- you see him sitting on the bed, and then they cut to him in the same position, but he's sitting in the bedroom that he's renting. And the thing about that bedroom is that it goes completely against all of his stylistic ethos that they've been talking about the whole time. He's one of those yeah. guys, like, who has all modern furniture. Everything is clean. It looks empty, everything like that. But this place that he's staying with is a crazy woman who runs the place, and she says that, like, the cheer of the room or whatever – like so, like this table in the middle of the room, and it's upside down, and there's a chair on its side, and he can't fix either of those, and everything is sort of at an odd angle. There's and, no parallel lines at all in that yeah, room. Yeah, he's not. There's not. He's not allowed to fix any of it. And then they, he cuts back to like his bedroom, and it's completely clean. There's one, you know, thing of like orchids uh, and and like a wood block. Everything is qu- squared off and cubed, and then. It's just it like the panels start building. There's a few. There's four yeah. panels on the first one, and they're sort of randomly arranged, and then seven, and then more, and then as you keep building, like all the panels get smaller and more intense, as if you could hear. Like if it was a musical montage, the cuts would be getting faster, and the music would be getting more intense, or something like that. But this is a visual representation of that instead. Yeah, um, it's very nice. I mean, it, it was just it was just such, such an emotional kind of thing that was done so elegantly. You know, and then to, then to have it be followed up by the silent chapter uh, of of uh, basically the the descent of Orpheus, you know, kind of tying back into the whole Greek mythology aspect. You know, this is really the turning point for Asterios in the book, and kind of the realization of you know what he needs to do in order to be happy and to get his life back to wh- where he wants it to be. Now, um, on the last pages of this montage, are they suggesting that she had a miscarriage? Um, because that's poss- kind of what I'm getting out of it. Possibly, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I could see that. I don't know. It's and it's not. It does it's not really. It's up for interpretation, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's it was if if that is the case or if not, like I, I like that because you you get yeah. to wonder about what it is. Obviously, stuff stuff went on and it was significant, but they don't really spell it out for you. Yeah. So. But I mean, and and just like and just the fact that it's the whole, you know, like the the middle sequence of her with the um with the with the Q-tip stuck in her ear. And the idea of this this tool that they found, you know, like this this Swiss Army knife that they found has the tool that they need, something that you don't plan to have. And then the idea of of her having to trust him, and you know, kind of two people working together, you know, and just shows the 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 power of a good relationship, and 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 kind of in a, just a subtle little act like that, you know. So. Well, he uses the tweezers from a Swiss Army knife that he found, and it was like kind of odd that he'd done that anyway. Yeah, you know, that he'd like kept the when he found the Swiss Army knife and he kept it. You're like, that yep. seems odd. It doesn't seem like something he'd do. And it was neat to have yeah. it come back around like that. Yeah, I, I got I got a quite also my other two favorite my other favorite pages a two page spread uh, where they're looking at the crater and he just goes, now that's a hole. <laughs> no, I love that page. Uh, there's one thing that that I found myself thinking about the whole time that I was reading it, and I don't know if I ever solved it, but 
Asterios, for the most part, is drawn uh, in profile, his face, which is this weird sort of upside-down bell shape. And it's it's very mm-hmm. symmetrical, and his nose sort of rounds out one side of the curve. And I was trying to f- I've been trying to figure out if what that means or what what the purpose of that is. And I was curious if you guys it's, well, it's that. like he's he's he was a full person cut in half, and it's sort of like we're looking at somebody in relief. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah. someone the, full, the the twins the whole person was cut down the middle. Yeah. So we're getting a flat his flat side from where he was cut. It's sort of like a visual representation representation of him feeling like he's only half a person. Right. And then, and, and, and that's, that can, that's one way to interpret it. There's no, right. you know, answer. And that could tie in tie into the earlier in the scene when when they're there's a couple times when they're in bed when they lay in kind of like a yin and yang kind of um, you know, him and his wife kind of lay in a yin and yang kind of uh, you know, uh, setting and that would be, you know, that kind of speaks back to the half a person kind of idea and the you know, someone completing him. Um, it can also be I, I've discussed it with other people, and I was told that that it's a kind of nose in the air, better than everybody kind of representation as well. So I think that feels like it's too simplistic. Yeah, because that's only one aspect of his. That's the most obvious aspect yeah. of his personality. Yeah. So I like that it's symmetrical. I feel like that it rep- that's who he is, and it's sort of immovable also, which is also who who he is. Yeah. But there's mm-hmm. also a big curve to it, so it's not like it's squared off like everything else in his life. Suggesting, right. I guess, that there's more to it. It's, I mean, th- and this is exactly what I'm talking about when I was saying, like, when I was reading it, it made me think about it in a way that, like, when you read just straight text, you have to think about what the symbolism in, in something means. You know, well, why did a white panther walk across there? What does that mean? And in this way, you're doing that in the sense of of the the visual tools and cues and I, I liked that a lot um because it yeah. was in a way that it wasn't so straightforward that I was like it was just a bunch of metaphors that were straight on the nose. Um, mm-hmm. there were things that were done very subtly that you didn't really have to know why, but if you wanted to think about it, maybe there wasn't anything, but you're sort of searching for meaning, but not in an annoying way. It's a very fine line, I think. The, yeah. the best art does that. It, it makes you think about what it means, and it doesn't necessarily give you the answer, and it makes makes it so that everyone has a different answer. Mm-hmm. And, and it, so it invites you very personal in that sense. And it invites you to revisit it. So, I mean, you could read this like a million times and, you know, you're coming away with something every time. I mean, that's a cliche, but with this book, I think it's totally true. I mean, you read it. I, I'm going to read this. You know, this is going to be one of those things I read like every year or something like that. And just pick it up and, and find new tricks that, you know, that, that he did or, or different themes that, you know, he's trying to get across with the art. Um, it's, it's just a really rewarding kind of book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it really, it really is, and it's the kind of thing where, like, I, I heard all the hype too, and I, and I went and got it, and I, and I gave myself, you know, a good, you know, hour to sit down and read it, and not do anything else, and just focus on it, and it, it was, it just, it, it, I couldn't put it down. I read it in one sitting, aside from the break that I took during the, the sequence, um, but it, and it just, you know, every, every chapter you know, fell into the next one, you know, with a level of suspense. Like I wanted to keep going. I wanted to see where the story was going and I wanted more flashbacks. I wanted to understand more about his character. I want to understand more about this, you know, kind of, um, schism between, you know, between his, his worldview and, and to see how he deals with it. And, you know, and, and, you know, some people, I've heard some people criticize the ending. I love the ending. I thought the ending was great. It was great. That like simplistic poetic kind of, you know, like, you know, I don't know. I just, it, 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 a little bit of humor, you know, like it just made me laugh. I don't, so. yeah, I don't know how I feel about the ending. I don't, I don't dislike it. Um, we can, we can spoil it, right? Yeah, let's yep. go ahead and talk about the end. Uh, Mysterious like fixes up a car and he makes it electric, which is quite a feat. 
Solar powered electric. Yeah, solar powered. Yeah. Yeah. He drives and drives and drives, meaning that he could actually do real things if he wanted to. That would mean something, I suppose. Yeah, he built it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And and so he goes driving, and the car dies in a snowstorm, and then he's gotta he's gotta hoof it the rest of the way to where Hana lives, which is apparently on the on a hill somewhere, nowhere. Yeah. Um, and he gets there, and they talk, and it's it's they're sort of making up and getting to know each other again. And he looks at her art. Um, and he finds there, there's like a geometric thing to it and he relates to her finally and they're sitting there on the couch and he just is like, this is nice. And then one of them says, what's that noise? And, and then like you flip to the last page, it's just a giant meteor, uh, <laughs> headed towards the house on a two page spread. Um, <laughs> I guess suggesting that no matter what you're, we're all doomed anyway. Yeah. Um, but if you're gonna if you're gonna go out, I mean that's a that's a good moment to. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Out, like right? you go out with no like everything like it, 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 this is nice. I, I you know like it's not nothing. It's not unresolved. You know like he he found his found his moment of happiness. You know. But the thing is, yeah. I th- you could have ended on this is nice and backed up from the house, and then at this point, the what's that noise, and then the two page spread, the last three pages basically, it's like it's almost like yanking us back into it. Remember, this is a comic book. And so here's yeah. like a, it's almost like here's a punchline or a gag or something like that. But it's well, it's also it's, right, but it's foreshadowed. I mean, it's earlier. Yeah. There's the guy talking about the meteorites and stuff in the in a diner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. When he ends and up like in Ron town. said, his name is very evocative of an asteroid. Yeah, but then, but then don't don't. I mean, it does not end there. And then and then you turn the page and you see the the very simple, you know, the very simple kind of representation of the treehouse that he helped the mechanic build for his kid. And you hear the the kids scream, "Mommy, look, a shooting star." And the mother and the father and the mechanic who are having problems or whatever are cuddling the whole, their whole families together. And the mother just says, make a wish. All right. You want to know yep, something? So I, never, I never saw that. <laughs> I, think, I think I got to the – stopped. Yeah, I think I got to the – I think because I think I got to the meteorite page and then you look at it and it kind of looks like that's the end of the book. And I don't think I flipped it again. That's funny. <laughs> that's funny. No, uh, get, you know, it's 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 perception. I mean, that's the thing. It's yeah. like for one person, it's oh my god, we're gonna die. Although they don't know, and right. then but you know, for this kid, it's a shooting star. It's so a, it's, it's, and it's a wish. It's, it's, it's a it's a wish and potential for the future. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So nice poetic ending, I think. Yeah, I love the ending. I loved it. I mean, it's 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 one of the rare books where I mean, I, I you know, I find I can find no fault with it. I find there's nothing – this is like a, a wonderful work that I can hand to anybody and be like, this is amazing. Check this out. This is a great – this is a celebration of the visual storytelling method and it's fantastic. You preface so. it with that because it might be – it might be going too hard. I, I, like, I feel like this is the kind of book that I would give somebody and be like, just read this and tell me what you think. Like I almost oh. like wouldn't want to build it up at all. Or oh yeah, no, no, exactly. I mean, no, I, 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 I see your point there, and yeah, and that's the kind of thing where you don't want to influence that much or whatever. But I, I could see that. But I, but the thing is, I, t- I guess I take no, I take no hesitation in giving it to somebody. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, but I think it, ha- I think that this still, I think it has to be somebody who wants to be thoughtful about something. I suppose for from you know, if you if you're totally into action movies all the time, this might not be your thing. Uh, yeah, just because I think it requires it requires an effort. In your entertainment, it's not it's not strictly entertainment. It's entertaining. Um, this is not a bad thing, but just you know. Okay, I got gotcha. you. I hear you. 
I don't think I don't think it's super dense though. It isn't. You know, I mean, I, I, no, it's, it's, not. Not, it's it's not at all like like you know uh, inaccessible. I think if even if you're just you know going in and and and, assume, and not not having any assumptions about what kind of book it is, I think you can still enjoy it. And it, it sort of it um, unravels itself in a, in an interesting way. And I mean, you can definitely follow all the different things he's doing. And especially, I mean, I, I just I love all that stuff with like especially that end scene where they're talking and all of a sudden their word balloons, which had been and and their stylistic you know style and representations had been at conflict the entire book the word balloons like like wrap around each other it's, and they and they overlap it's just it's such a i mean and the, you can only do that with comics cuz yeah. only in comics are there word balloons yeah so it's not um it's it's not a compromise that you have to use word balloons to convey dialogue whereas you know with movies you can have them actually speak it like word balloons usually you know they feel like oh well i have to have it in this box and point to the person that's saying it here he actually takes advantage of this element mm-hmm. and and Absolutely. makes a, a complete artistic you know some kind of expressionistic idea out of it which right. is really cool and then and then turn the page is is that where they're you know they're you turn the page after the their their word balloons kind of tie into each other and their conversations continuing and they're talking about, you know, like Hannah says, why does life have to be? And he says, so stressful. And then it ends with them, you know, kind of both saying the same thing at the same time, the idea of rest in peace. And their word balloons have now merged and his square balloon has merged with her circular one. And both their lettering has become script. And it's the idea that, you know, they, com- they, f- they completed each other's sentence. They actually fit together, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that's the moment where, you know, they can rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, they're going to have to. In yeah. a fiery haze. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that that is one of the things that I was weary about this because and a lot of times, like, I've heard from a lot of people with, with, with uh, like, a lot of Indian underground comics, like, this is an amazing work, and you get it, and it's either completely ambiguous or it's way too dense or it's just it's just like a bunch of metaphor that you suspect doesn't really mean anything. Whereas yeah. with this, it was pretty straightforward in a good way. Yeah, uh, and I was I was I was very happy with how accessible it was, right? And how fun it was to read. And and I think it's interesting and important to note that uh, that it, and I don't know how much it ties into the Greek mythology of it or whatever, but it's you know it's the idea of this natural kind of thing that you don't have any control over like his you know his you know it's a bolt of lightning that sets his house on fire that forces him to go on this journey and then it's and then it's an asteroid that ends things you know like it's this idea of of you know you can have only so much order and control in your life but then there are these things that you don't have control over um that set you in a direction you know and it's a good balance between all, you know those ideas of life and dealing with things and dealing with your relationships and the, the way to what his life view was yeah exactly it's all yeah. about order and and hard lines and geometric yep. shapes and keeping yeah. things contained in a box and and he has to learn by the end that you can't do that or right. you, you can't do that all the time for everything right. um, so I think the two great things about this book one are is the, the total package from an art standpoint from everything from the cover to the from the materials to use to Every inch of this book is is for purposeful, yeah. you know, in terms of the art. And two, it relates to what Ron's metaphor of him walking to the party, dropping the book, and walking out is that it was totally out of nowhere and came out and landed like a bomb. I think that was my favorite part of it. No, yeah. There was no hype. We weren't waiting for it. And you're right. Yeah. No, it's all of a sudden it was literally everywhere on everyone's lips, at least of the people who who got it early and, and read it. And I haven't um, seen that happen. I don't remember that happening in a long time. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. book just coming from out that's of nice you don't often get we often talk about how there's no surprises in comics anymore and it yeah. was it also like it, surprise it, you. because it wasn't issues like we're used to i guess you didn't get like a beginning part that was awesome and then well, even the even, I mean, even the book like park 
It looked like, like the hunter. We all knew it was coming. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. great. That didn't take anything away from it, but we, at the same time, we knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas this was literally out of blue, out of the blue. It literally could have dropped out of the sky, landed on my desk. It would have been the same effect. Yeah. You know, that's that was a great thing about it. It was literally, it's literally when you find something completely and totally unexpected, and it's yeah. it's fantastic. And that was one of the great things about it. I found the pa- the panels I was talking about, and I was slightly wrong. It's where it's towards the end when they're talking about perception and memory, and it's the shot of Hannah saying, you know, first it's four panels, and her saying it's same same pose. She's saying it's just a matter of paying attention, and then it's just a matter of paying more attention, and you have to, you, you just have to pay more attention, and then you just don't pay enough attention. You know that evolution of of their relationship essentially. You know, and how how that can you know over time that can you know uh, wear down on someone and explain why you know somebody chooses to leave. Um, never paid any attention. Yeah, never. Yeah. Not, in, not in class. Um, <laughs> and then he, and, he, and he loses an eye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brutal. He gets into a bar fight. Loses. Well, an there eye. was there was that weird part where the ninjas show up. And yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then, <laughs> and then the video game thing when is oh wait a uh, different book. <laughs> he has to defeat Hana's seven ex husbands. <laughs> it's almost like it's you know in a way I mean other than it's it's almost the feeling of when Scott Pilgrim like you first read it you know just like whoa this is different and it came from my that'd be the, that'd be the most similar because all of a sudden that was there was no lead up to that all of a sudden it was just there and I think right. that's, that's but what it was it also was, but that also wasn't like a whole we're still we still don't know how it's gonna end so I get you know it's a little different that's probably the closest that I can compare it to. It yeah. was a game changer. There's a, thank you, Robert Kirkman, for sticking that in my way of Tyrese Gibson. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, ultimately, what is the effect of mysterious polyp? I don't know that there is one. I don't know. I don't know that you have to be really dedicated to do a book like this. And I don't know. I mean, this is not going to change comics. No, no. But I think it's that not. It's, it's just going to, you know, it's going to make everything else look worse in comparison. But it's not going to. So you're not going to suddenly get a bunch of books. This well done. It does, no, I think it doesn't work I that think, way. But I think that what happens is that you get uh, creators and people who read stuff like this who get inspired by it and they use it as exactly, yeah. either inspiration or they they take bits from it and it it becomes a, a fountainhead uh, of from where other things come. And you may not be able to draw a direct line there, but but they it'll exist. Maybe I'm not sure that'll happen, but. Yeah, I mean, certainly had other works throughout the comics that have been this good and this important that have never not changed things. So, well, it's I mean, it's not something you can really track. It's just I mean, like as as someone who kind of wants to you know try this kind of thing out, like I mean, this book makes me like extremely jealous. Like it's like wow, this is amazing. Like it and it makes you want to work all the all the more at at your game and everything. So I'd hope that you know other creators would you know see this kind of stuff and and be like I I really got to up my game and 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 bring it with this because this is amazing. So it's it's just inspirational and I yeah. think any any sort of landmark book is like that so i mean even if it doesn't start a trend it at least it's it's like a punch in the gut and it's gonna light some fires get your ass and yeah yep so Um, Uh, yeah it's it's great and and like i said i think it's the i i will hold it up as the greatest graphic novel of this decade um with you know with things like parker coming very close and i'm sure looking at you know the whole decade whatever but um but to connor's point like what its impact will be is remains to be seen yeah so I I think if I think if you're a process junkie like you're gonna want to devour this like if I mean if you've spent any time in art school like it's absolutely for artists at the, yeah. for artists first I mean this is the idea of things you can do on the page the different styles you can employ and you don't have to be, be hemmed in by one style in your book yeah using every every tool you've got to express what's going on in the story it's totally and for art not you know nerds first of all yeah and then after that it's for everybody else. All right, everybody think they got their say in? 
I think, I think so. so. Feeling good. All right. Yeah. So if you want to read the uh, the written book of the month review, that's up at ifanboy.com. You can find it up at the top there, uh, next to the the pick of the week. That's all. That's going to be there for the whole month of September. And make sure you check out the rest of the website for all the cool stuff there. And uh, if you want to write in, we are at contact at ifanboy.com. Uh, just go to yeah, go to ifanboy. Look in uh, look in our feed to catch our normal weekly pick of the week. Um... Uh, pick a week podcast where we talk about all the comics that come out and and just the great stuff we do. They're all writing on ifanboy.com, so it's all all good stuff. All right, well, gentlemen, thank you very much for coming in, and and thank you, David Mazzucchelli, for making this possible. Yes, thank you. Thank you.